Courtesy of Bob the Engineer, Dolly the Reception, and yes, your host, your servant, the Jester. Oh, my Lord. We're wired that way. No point in fighting it. Hi, everybody. I'm Archie Bell with the Thrills of Houston, Texas. We don't only sing, but we dance. Once upon a time there was an engineer. Choo-choo Charlie was his name we hear. He had an engine and he sure had fun. He used good and plenty candy to make his train run. Charlie says, love my good and plenty. Charlie says, really makes the bell. Charlie says, love my good and plenty. Don't know any other candy that I love so well. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Finally, someone has reinvented the wheel. Hey, uh, you tuned into the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio. <laughs> Don't argue with the ball. Roger, we'll go. It's as good as done. The complete solution for your home PC. Here I am. of a clown on Chester Radio. Kind of like a Han Solo better. You can call me Cookie. You can call me the Cookie. Let's go. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. The roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Sing it with me. Sing along. The roof is on fire. We don't need no water. Let the motherfucker burn. Burn, motherfucker. Oh, man. Ah. Doesn't that just sort of like all your cares and woes just melt away? Let them melt. They're melting away. Here we go. Yo, yo. Yo. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, good evening and welcome to the Ravings of a Clown this Tuesday, July the 8th, the year of our Lord, 2008-7808 in the vernacular. Such a show we have planned for you this evening, as Grandma Jester would say, including 
the likes of uh, Bob Dylan, Elton John, Lulu, Lulu, Lulu. Anybody remember the from the classic thirty nine, the episode where Norton <laughs> was sleepwalking because he was remembering the psychiatrist came over and determined that he had a puppy when he was a little boy. And so that he was fucked in the head, and he was sleepwalking because he was so badly fucked. And he would walk around going, Lulu! I mean, I just... Anyway, we actually have music from the uh, real Lulu, plus Jimmy Castor Bunch, so much more. And I know what you're thinking to yourself. And you ask me, why, Jester, how do you... <laughs> however do you know what I'm thinking? Are you a mind reader? Are you some kind of psychic? Do you read minds? Are you Kreskin? Well, yes, actually, I do. And what you're thinking is, with all that amazing music cram-packed into this evening's playlist, surely there's no room for my song on the list. Well, firstly, I've asked you before, don't call me Shirley. Secondly, there is. We've left special gaps in the playlist in strategic places just for your requests. So tell us what you want to hear. We'll get what you want to hear on the radio. That's how it works around here. Just head over to www.jesterradio.com. Click on request. Tell us what you want to hear. We'll get it on the air like that. Plus uh, 646-502-8600 gets you live on the air with your old pal, the Jester. Got something to say? Well, don't worry about it. Jot that number down. Before the evening's over, you're going to have something to say. Because something I'm going to say is going to piss you off. 646-502-8600. Hanging in the Jester Radio chat room with Louis Louis, the pastor's wife by day, and uh, web uh, dominatrix, and um, eBay entrepreneur by night um what else we got here that's it time to turn our attention to the headlines bob it's time to turn our attention bob thank you from high atop jester radio studios in a secret location yibbity bibbity Ban it. Ban it. Ban it. The Federal Reserve will issue new rules next week aimed at protecting future home buyers from dubious lending practices. Its most sweeping response to a housing crisis that has propelled foreclosures to record highs. This is how we always deal with um, these crises. The same fucking thing. We just make up a fuckload of phony baloney rules. You know, all the laws we have, like don't rip people off, don't lie, don't, you know, uh, tell them they're getting something that they're not, all of those are more than enough to protect people. And if people are signing mortgages, I mean, especially this whole mortgage, so-called mortgage crisis burns me up because everybody says, oh, it was dishonest lending practices, but nobody fucking twisted anybody's arm into signing a mortgage. And if you took a mortgage, uh, you know, based on what somebody told you and ignored what was written where you signed on the dotted line, then you're a moron and you get what you got coming to you. 
And uh, if the industry wants to get together and pull their shit together and start representing you know, themselves as if they're a reputable industry, that's fine. But I don't see where government has to step in and say, oh, yeah, we have to protect citizens. Enough with the fucking government protecting us. We know the gag. We all were onto it. The government protects us from nothing. The FDA, the fucking FBI, the CIA, all these so-called organizations, these are our fucking next-door neighbors, people. These are not supermen. These are just people. And these are people who work for the government, for crying out loud. So, uh, I mean, how good could they possibly be? Fed Chairman uh, Ben Bernanke spoke of the much-awaited rules in a broader speech today about the challenges confronting policymakers in trying to stabilize a shaky U.S. financial system. To that end, Bernanke said the Fed may give, sque- uh, uh, may give uh, squeezed Wall Street firms more time to tap the central bank's emergency loan program. To prevent a repeat of the current mortgage mess, Bernanke said the Fed will adopt rules cracking down on a range of shady lending practices that have burned many of the nation's riskiest subprime borrowers, uh, those with spotty credit or low incomes, who are the hardest hit by the housing and credit debacles. Uh, This whole so-called crisis centers around subprime loans, giving loans out to people who were had less than good credit. And the way that works is uh, the lending companies just charge them more because they're more expensive a customer. So whereas they may charge somebody with spotless credit, uh, you know, 4%, that if you have crappy credit, they may charge you 6 7 8%. And whereas... The guy you shook hands with said, oh, don't worry, it's an adjustable mortgage, but they never go up. <laughs> Why would you believe that if it says right in the fucking paper that it can go up any time? And of course it did, and it will. Why wouldn't it? The plan, which would be voted on a Fed board meeting on Monday, will apply to new loans made by thousands of lenders of all types, including banks and brokers, Under the proposal unveiled last December, the rules would restrict lenders from penalizing risky borrowers who pay loans off early. I mean, like, that's that's not causing the problem. Uh, The the, uh, risky borrowers weren't trying to pay off their mortgages early. Require lenders to make sure these borrowers set aside money to pay for taxes and insurance. Like, now the the lenders have to be the mommy. So in the past, it was up to you whether or not when you took a mortgage you wanted to include money to pay for taxes and insurance or whether or not you paid for that for out of your income. But now the government's requiring that the bank be your fucking mommy's tit and bar lenders from making loans without proof of a borrower's income. Well, of course, that just makes good business sense. Why did banks and mortgage houses take loans without proof of uh, the borrower's income. So that's really their problem, not the government's or not ours. So why are we, and I don't see how that protects the borrower anyway, protects the lender. So this whole thing is another one of these um, uh, scams that all the politicians, you know, just pander to. Um, Everybody knows somebody uh, who's going bankrupt or who's foreclosing or is themselves so therefore, you want to hear your, your, your presidential candidates or your politicians say something about it. It's current in your life. You want to hear what they have to say about it. 
So, of course, what are they going to say about it? We'll punish the fucking mean, big, bad corporations and protect you innocent fucking people. These fucking people aren't innocent. They took loans that they couldn't pay. And don't say, oh, Mr. So-and-so said that it wouldn't go up. You're you're a fool. You signed a fucking piece of paper. Mr. So-and-so was getting a percentage of the cost of the fucking house that you bought. Of course, he's going to say shit, though. When you go to a stereo store, doesn't the guy say, this is the best stereo you can get? Of course. He makes money when you get one. Meanwhile, Iraq's national security advisor said today that his country will not accept any security deal with the United States unless it contains specific dates for the withdrawal of U.S.-led forces. Could you imagine now the Iraqis are fucking getting fed up? The comments by Mufalak al-Rubai was the strongest yet by an Iraqi official about the deal now under negotiation with U.S. officials. They came a day after Iraq's prime minister first said publicly that he expects the pending troop deal with the U.S. to have some type of timetable for withdrawal. Everybody expects that, right? President Bush said he opposes a timetable because a timetable always ends with withdrawal. The White House said uh, yesterday it did not believe Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki was proposing a rigid timetable for U.S. troops worldwide. U.S. officials have no immediate comment today on al-Rabai's statement. Of course, they don't think that because they're lying sacks of shit. They just fucking say, you know, they'll just fucking say anything because they know that and this is, by the way, how religion works. You know, uh, the, people always say, oh, nine trillion percent and nine billion people in the world believe in God and eight, 89 million percentage, you know, th- uh, believe in God. But that's only because they don't really fucking know what they believe. They're going with the flow. Everybody to the left of them and everybody to the right of them believes in God. They don't really think about it all that much. They sort of do what I like to think of as they do the God light thing. They don't really understand. If you say to them, wow, then do you believe this and do you believe that? And when they really start have to think, uh, then they may be hesitant. For example, you always hear about these people who on the one hand are Christians, but they are tolerant of homosexuality. Well, I mean, you can't be both. You can't be a Christian and be tolerant of homosexuality. It actually commands that you put homosexuals to death. It says quite clearly that they're sinners and they're going to go to hell. So are you not reading the Bible? Are you making up your own interpretation? Um, I've always been curious about what's, um, you know, what's the deal with that. And the reason is, the reason they get away with this is because that's what the church takes advantage of. They take advantage of the fact that people really aren't asking a lot of hard questions. They're sort of just going with the flow. Uh, you know, uh, humans and dinosaurs on the earth at the same time? Oh, well, yeah, you know, carbon dating isn't accurate 100% of the time. Well, is it not accurate 99% of the time? I mean, we have a lot of shit that we've carbon dated that appears to be millions of years old. Yeah, it's not that accurate. So it can't all be that accurate. So, uh, uh, okay, cool, great. You know, we realize that if we press these hard questions that... We're going to get stupid answers because nobody's really saying that carbon dating is 100% flawed. And carbon dating has shown uh, beyond any sane person's doubt uh, that there are things on the earth that are billions of years old. 
And that doesn't jive with the story of the Bible. So either you believe or you don't believe. But most people just sort of hang on the fence in between because they really aren't critical about that. And the church kind of likes that. They want, them, they want to hook them just enough to say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but not enough to ask the tough questions. Hey, uh, you're on Jester Radio. Who's calling? Hey, this is S. Poe calling. Yo, Poe. Hey, I got a question. If, I wonder if there's anyone that believes in God in your audience. and I want to hear them call in, and you can put your questions to them and see if they believe in God at the end of the conversation. Well, I know for a fact at least one person who, who's listening right now believes in God. She's sitting yeah. there. Will she call? That that I don't know. But, yeah, no, I'm curious, too, because although, you know, I do get a lot of email from people you wouldn't think would be listening to me on a regular basis. What does that mean? Like, like, like people in the military? Why wouldn't I think that? Because I'm pretty tough on the government. Well, well I mean, they're not the government themselves. Well, sure they are. They, they work for the government, they make up the government, uh, uh, and plus, uh, they constantly remind us that anybody that doesn't support the war is secretly hate the troops. Well, that's only if you buy into them. Well, I would imagine that they tell the same thing to the troops, don't they? Right, well, they have their own little brains, don't they? Well, let's hope. I don't think that uh, whoever tells you what they're thinking knows any more than anyone else. Well, but to a certain extent, that's what I was just talking about, Steve, that to a certain extent, it, that is true, because a lot of times people really aren't questioning, they're sitting on the fence, they don't really care whether there's an afterlife or not. If you ask them, is there, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but, you know. Well, you know. I want to hear it actually be played out on the air. Yeah. So the okay. challenge is out there. Get, All right. Well, get, thanks for calling. calling. Thank you, Poe. Thanks Give very much. right now. Jingle it. I will. Six four six five zero two eighty six hundred. If you believe that there is a God, then please give us a call. Tell us, uh, you know, that you believe and 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 how you express that belief and why you believe. And I guess more importantly, what Poe was asking is in context of what we're talking about tonight. Is um, how how do you believe it in light of the fact that there's just as much evidence for God as there are unicorns or anything else that there's a lot of literature about, but there's no evidence. And that's the way the government, uh, this administration works, because they're very much steeped in that sort of um, church mentality. Um, they think that if they just bullshit long enough and hard enough, they'll get enough people to go along with it um, that they're not really hearing the news. They'll just say the same lies over and over again. And they get a per certain percentage of people who really don't understand, who really aren't asking tough questions, who really have more important pressing matters in their life. Um, and they're, you know, taking advantage of other emotions that they have. They appeal to their patriotism. They appeal to their insecurity. They appeal to their fear of the unknown. And, um, yeah. Sure, it sounds frightening. Um, you know, in the 50s, it was commies in the toilet, and now it's terrorists in everybody's fucking toilet. Meanwhile, Republican John McCain and Democrat Barack Obama sought today to send the same message to a critical constituency. They understand that Hispanics share the same economic concerns as other Americans, and they will help 
the whole country prosper. That's why I wonder, why is it these uh, presidential candidates are constantly meeting with people who represent special interests and constantly have the same bullshit message that they're the same as everybody else? If they're the same as everybody else, then what's the special interest? Why do Spanish Americans have interests that are different than Jewish Americans? Because if they do, then only where those interests intersect is what constitutes American. Because it's not the United States of Spanish or the United States of Jews. It's the United States of Americans. So if you're Spanish American or Irish American or Martian American, then the government really only needs to cater to the American part of you. So that's why I'm always mystified by these candidates that go to these Jewish-slash-Spanish-slash-back-black-slash-women special interest groups and say, we take you seriously as important as everybody else. It was the second time in as many weeks the presidential candidates directly appealed to a Hispanic group. Appearances before a third were on tap for Sunday and Monday, underscoring the fierce fight for these fickle voters. By the way, why... The um, big press on Latin votes, interesting little sort of um, uh, presidential candidate um, mechanism we see at work here. Uh, Typically, the um, Spanish people have always voted Democrat. But this election, the Spanish people have a problem with both Obama and McCain. Apparently, they have some kind of extra special insight um, and that they think they both suck. So the other guy sees that as an opportunity (laughs) because all they have to do is go there and talk about how much the other guy sucks, and that's all these guys do anymore anyway. As we get closer to the election, and it's almost, uh, you know, it's almost like three years now from now. So it's coming. It's coming soon. Um, And the closer that we get, um, the more uh, the election becomes about what the other guy said. And let me tell you something. I I, I barely believe when people tell me what they think. I don't believe anything that anybody tells me about what other people think. Uh, If you're going to tell me what some other guy thinks, I'm going to turn that shit right off because you have no fucking idea. What somebody else thinks. And if you think that the other guy is misrepresenting himself or lying, then that's for me to decide. That's for the press, the, the uh, fourth estate, the indifferent third party to report on. But the second you start talking about it, it just sounds like you're fucking a whining pussy. I'm sick and tired of hearing candidates, why can't we just get a fucking bunch of people ever to get up and agree that from this point forward, I'm only going to say shit about what I think and what I believe. I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm going to chew on the inside of my mouth. I'm going to fucking hold my words whenever I think the other guy is lying because I trust you, the voter. Why is it that we'll never see such a thing? Why is it never light on my lawn? Why does it rain and never say good day to the newborn. On the big screen, they showed us the sun, but not as quite bright in real life as the real one. It's never quite the same as the real one. You're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this Tuesday, July the 8th. 
the year of our Lord, 2008. Elton John from Before He Sucked. Please don't fuck with that dial. It gets good now. Tell me, Gray Seal, how does it feel to be so wise? To see through eyes that only see what's real. Elton John on Jest Radio. You're tuned into the ravings of a clown this Tuesday, July the 8th. The next time the president goes to war, Congress should be consulted and vote on whether it agrees, according to a bipartisan study group chaired by former secretaries of state James Baker, the third and Warren Christopher, remember those guys? 
In a report released today, the panel says the current law governing the nation's war powers has failed to promote cooperation between the executive and legislative branches. It says the 1973 resolution should be repealed and replaced with the new legislation that would require the president to inform Congress of any plans to engage in significant armed conflict or non-convert covert operations lasting longer than a week. In turn, Congress would act within 30 days either approving or disapproving the action. Viola, there you go. I think that goes under, duh. Baker, who served as Secretary of State in the first Bush administration and co-chaired the 2006 Iraq study group, said the proposal isn't intended to resolve constitutional disputes between the White House and Congress on who should decide whether the nation fights what we aim to do with this statute is to create a process that will encourage the two branches to cooperate and consult in a way that's both practical and true to the spirit of the Constitution. Yeah. Checks and balances. There was nothing in the Constitution that didn't have some opposing force, knowing that if nobody was happy, it was a compromise. It was a good middle ground. Great way to run the country. A new joint House and Senate committee would be established to review the president's justification for war. To do so, the committee would be granted access to the highly classified information. That's another thing this administration has sought to do, which is keep everything a secret. Everything a secret. And by the way, it gets to a point where you think to yourself, well, every other president had like, you know, a thousand pages of secret shit. This president has like a hundred thousand pages of secret shit. Did he really do that much more secret shit or is he just keeping everything a secret, whether it's a secret or not? I mean, I could see where you don't want to publish, you know, plans of an impending, uh, you know, spy operation, but... You know, beyond that, what's the secret? It's my fucking country, my spies, my soldiers. Tell me what you're doing with them. Imagine if you were the shareholder of a corporation and the president got up and you said to him, listen, what are you planning on doing about this new, you know, uh, uh, problem with this customer going bankrupt? Uh, it's going to affect our bottom line. And he says, well, I can't tell you it's a secret. <laughs> you would secretly fire him, wouldn't you? You would say, excuse me? Uh, a new joint House and Senate committee would be established to review the president's justification for war. The panel has briefed the president's uh, presidential campaigns of Barack Obama and John McCain, as well as the congressional leadership. Spokesman uh, Tommy Veter said Obama commends the panel for advocating that the president consult Congress more closely on issues of critical national importance, like the use of military force. McCain did not provide comment, because McCain is Bush 3, and it's bad news for him. He likes this policy of secrecy and lying to the Americans. That works well for the right. Congress's involvement, because, and I'll tell you why, you know why I always tie the right and the Christians and the whole like thing together like it's a fucking cabal? Because in a way, it is. They're not really, it's not, it's not really, although since the Pat Robertson, you know, since Jerry Falwell put Reagan in office, it almost really has been. But I don't believe in, you know, international cabals of evil men. I think they're just uh, clumps of evil men. 
And uh, I think they do work in a similar way because they sort of have this like attitude of manifest destiny that, you know, the, the great unwashed really don't understand how the world works. And it's okay to lie to them because you're doing everything for them in their benefit. It's okay to to take away their liberty because you're in exchange, you're protecting them. There's this kind of um, noblesse oblige. There was this sort of fiction um, uh, um, in the Middle Ages that the British royalty invented that um, the balance, the rationale for them having this ridiculous kind of power. You know, when the, when the philosophical uh, you know, royalty would say, but mama, papa, why are we so fortunate to eat and have so much uh, when so many people are starving? Their answer would be, well, in exchange, we are burdened with the obligation of the noble, the noblesse oblige. Uh, uh, they would put the back of their, of their hand to their forehead and they would say, oh, woe is us, you know, with this great burden to bear that we have to do wonderful things for the people. And we have to constantly change our underwear and our shoes and eat these fantastic meals and dance and party and, you know, and drink liquor. Uh, and we have to do it for the people. So it's that sort of kind of self-delusion that drives this mentality that, I'm different than them. I have a, di you know, we're a special elite breed uh, and only we really understand what benefits the world. And let's tell them that, uh, you know, we're going to um, go find weapons of mass destruction. When we don't find it, we'll tell them, uh, isn't the world better off without Saddam Hussein? We'll just say any fucking thing that pops into our head. Um, and when they say, but didn't you lie about that? We'll just say, uh, you know, the history will bear us out. And that's what they'll always fall back on because at the heart of it, that's really the way they feel. I'm different than everybody else um, and I'm, I can get away with it. Who's going to stop me? And history will bear us out. You know, here we are 400 years later and nobody's questioning whether it was right for, uh, you know, for the Christopher Columbus, you know, or the or the Europe to settle in the New World and throw the Indians out and give them disease-ridden blankets, uh, from the oblique perspective of history, uh, all those guys, you know, crimes are, um, you know, are forgotten. But the truth is, you know, uh, things like ethics and morality and and crime uh these are not things that change um over the course of history these are the things these things are constant so if it's unethical for you to do it today that's why i always am marveled by so-called uh, uh decent loving christians who talk about how uh the bible condones jesus condones slavery i mean not just once but over and over again because these were different times as if it was less difficult for humans to have to endure being owned and sold and tortured and beaten and worked like a fucking horse then than it is now. Oh, yeah, it was different times. You know, people were born, they expected to be slaves. They, you know, they took it like a man. You know, they weren't a bunch of pussies like they are now. Because ethics and morality, they're constant. And all those people that were against slavery, even when 
it was common still went by their own internal moral compass, not by, you know, there were lots of people, uh, they, had na- they had names for them. They were abolitionists. They were people who thought slavery was wrong, even though it was common. So that throws that whole theory out the window that the times determine the ethics. So if it's wrong for George Bush to invade a sovereign nation uh, and uh, occupy it and build a thousand-year you know, military base on it, if it's wrong for him to do it now, then whatever the re- good result may come from it in a thousand years, it'll still have been wrong. If it turns out that the Jews really were bad, then it still <laughs> would have been wrong for Hitler to try to kill them all. See what I'm saying? Hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Jester Radio this Tuesday, July the 8th, hanging in the Jester Radio chat room with Poe and Lulu. Why not stop by and say hi? And uh, a little Bobby for you. Early one morning, sun shining, laying in bed. Early one morning, the sun was shining. I was laying in bed. Wondering if she'd change it all if her hair was still red. Her folks, they said our lives together sure was gonna be rough. They never did like mama's homemade dress Papa's banquet wasn't big enough And I was standing on the side of the road Rain falling on my shoes Heading out for the east coast Lord knows I paid some dues Getting through Tangled up in blue
Here's go back, way back, back into time, when the only people that existed were troglodytes, cavemen, cave women, Neanderthal, troglodytes. Let's take the average caveman at home, listening to his. Stereo. Sometimes he'd get up, try to do his thing. He'd begin to move something like this. Yeah. 
a bunch on Jester Radio. I'll sock it to you, Daddy. Bob Dylan, before that, nobody accused him of male chauvinism. The Jester himself started that set. She was working in a topless place, and I stopped in for a beer. You know, the one thing I love about Dylan, among the many things I love about Dylan, is the conversations in Dylan's songs. He just has a way of writing that you could read it without the melody, and it still sounds like somebody just talking a conversation. And they're cool, interesting word usements, too. He talks about the first time he met this chick. She was working in a topless place, and I stopped in for a beer. I just kept looking at the side of her face and the spotlight so clear. And later on, as the crowd thinned out, I was just about to do the same. She was standing there in back of my chair, said to me, Don't I know your name? And I muttered something underneath my breath. She studied the lines on my face. I must admit, I felt a little uneasy when she bent down to tie the laces of my shoe. Tangled up in blue. And by the way, was she herself topless? And was that why he kept staring at the side of her face? And is that why he was uneasy when she bent down? The laces of his shoe. I've always wondered about that. The Jester himself on Jester Radio. And you're tuned into the ravings of a clown this Tuesday, July the 8th. Hanging in the Jester Radio chat room with the folks. Why not stop by and say hi? 646-502-8600 is the number to call if you've got something on your mind and no place else to get it off it. And if you're in California and you're within the, um, and you can hear my voice, then run! Firefighters today faced worsening weather conditions that pushed flames across fire breaks in parts of inland California and chased residents out of one small community. Along the coast, however, an evacuation order was lifted for a lengthy section of the scenic Big Sur area. Sure, just right after Lulu leaves, they open it right back up. 
The weather change came from a high-pressure system setting up over the entire West, said Mike Smith, a meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Sacramento. So, in addition to the very warm temperatures we're getting, we'll also be getting a little bit of offshore wind, which keeps the moist marine air from coming inland, he said. What? You know, it's funny. Every time I'm in a hurry in the morning and I turn on the weather, there's this retard standing in front of a green screen waving his arms like a lunatic. And I'm just trying to say, you know, do I get the sweater or what? I don't know. I'm looking at a map. I don't even know where I am on this map. And it's moving and there's like colors. And is it a shorts day? What? Just tell me. Some parts of California's Central Valley were forecast to climb close to 110 degrees today, and the state's heat wave was forecast to persist into the weekend. The agency that monitors the state's power grid said peak energy demands could approach the record set in July of 06, and it asked customers to reduce their late afternoon power consumption. Gusting wind during the night blew flames across fire lines in Sequoia National Forest east of Bakersfield, damaging some outbuildings and maybe a residence, Fire Information Officer Barbara Dugan said this morning. North of Sacramento, hundreds of residents were leaving the small town of Concao uh, after authorities issued an immediate evacuation advisory because of the shifting wind. The blaze north of Sacramento, part of a complex of fires that had burned over more than 45 square miles, was listed as 55% contained. And, you know, the other day we proposed... Um, that although, you know, obviously this is a natural disaster, it's a fire, and you can't expect the government to protect us from, you know, everything. Um, But certainly it makes one's mind wonder uh, when we, you know, if if we withdrew every soldier out of Iraq right now, it will have cost us, including getting everybody out and getting all the shit out, which will take till 2011 if we start right now, um, it will have cost us $850 billion over that period. And when when one's mind wanders to uh, what we could have done with that money, it just, uh, (coughs) excuse me, it boggles the mind. And, you know, this is another thing that... um, really pisses me off about the elite right is that they make these choices of what to spend their money on clearly based on um, having no concept of modern economics. We know we saw, you know, George Bush marvel at uh, the laser gizmo in the supermarket that reads, you know, the, the, the barcode from the cereal box. He had never seen it in his life. This guy has never shopped in a supermarket that had a barcode reader. That's how long this motherfucker has been out of the loop. And he's off spending your dollars, uh, trillions of dollars, uh, off in some, you know, faraway land. Jackson Brown said, when you think about the money spent on defense by our government and the weapons of destruction we've built, we're so sure that we need... And you think of the millions and millions that money could feed. And I'm not even proposing that we feed the people. I'm, I'm, I'm an objectivist. I'm a fucking, uh, you know, I'm practically one step away from anarchist. 
I don't believe that governments are responsible for the people. I think it's the other way around. People build governments to handle the, bur- the bureaucracy of daily life, but it's not our mommy and daddy. So I'm not even proposing that we take that money and feed people with it. I'm just saying, what if we just put it back in the hands of all the people we took it from as tax dollars? And by the way, it's a lot more than that in tax dollars because you know that 75 cents out of every dollar that goes through the government gets flushed down the fucking toilet. That's the overhead in the American bureaucracy. I'm just saying. And then you know what? There is no fucking mystery to this. This is another one of these fence-sitter problems where everybody sort of seems to know and seems to not care and seems to not want to hear it. And yeah, you know, it's the same thing with the leaders and the priests. All these people that want to drag large groups of people around with them and think the way they think. Uh, You know, it's really cool that I have this platform where I get to espouse um, what I think, but I don't want anybody to count on me to accomplish anything about it. I'm just talking here. That's, you know, what I think the extent of what, you know, we should be doing. I don't think men should be leading other men. I don't think it really needs to work that way. I think we can adapt to accommodating, the you know, everybody's interests equally, or at least the common place where all of our interests intersect. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, basic, you know, needs of human existence. Beyond that, government, uh, you know, has nothing to do with it. Doesn't enter into it, as Monty Python would say. And here's the deal. Everybody knows it. I say all this shit. Everybody who listens to me goes, fucking A, man. I know. I agree. Because everybody knows it's all just common sense. And we all just sit on the fence and our leaders say, uh, you know, we have to invade Iraq because uh, my foreign policy is directed by my belief in God. And everybody goes, well, that sounds okay. That sounds cool. You know, I'll just go along with that. Let's not question that. You know, I don't want to make any problems. I got enough fucking shit going on making the rent and feeding the kids and it's only the intellects the intellectuals and the fucking you know philosophers and the radio disc jockeys that get to fucking think about this shit so the groups the pawns are being sort of pushed around uh, as a group uh, to just you know for the for the needs of this, you know, one tiny little um, extremely powerful group. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows uh, the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. And everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. The poor stay poor. The rich get rich. That's how it goes. Everybody knows. Leave it where it is. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the good guys lost. Everybody knows the fight was fixed. 
simplement où Dieu, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. À l'époque où Jean Santerre d'Angleterre était le roi, Dominique, notre père, combattit les albigeois. Dominique, Nique, Nique, s'en allait tout simplement où Dieu, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Certains jours, un hérétique par des ronces le conduit, mais notre père Dominique, par sa joie, le convertit. Dominique, Nique, Nique, s'en allait tout simplement où Dieu, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Ni chameau, ni diligence, il parcourt l'Europe à pied, Scandinavie ou Provence, dans la sainte pauvreté. Dominique, Nique, Nique, s'en allait tout simplement, routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Enflamma de toute école, fils et garçons pleins d'ardeur, et pour semer la parole, inventa les frères prêcheurs. Dominique, Nique, Nique, s'en allait tout simplement, routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Chez Dominique et ses frères, le pain s'en vint à manquer, et deux anges se présentèrent portant de grands pains dorés. Dominique, Nique, Nique, s'en allait tout simplement, routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Dominique vit en rêve les prêcheurs du monde entier, sous le manteau de la Vierge en grand nombre rassemblés. Dominique, Nique, Nique, s'en allait tout simplement, routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Dominique, mon bon père, regarde-nous simples et gais, pour annoncer à nos frères la vie et la vérité. Dominique, les cliniques s'en allaient tout simplement, routier, pauvre et chantant. En tout chemin, en tout lieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu, il ne parle que du bon Dieu. Il n'y a pas encore des bons dieux. Ma belle, sans les mots qui vont très bien ensemble. They're all just... Uh, I don't speak French, so they're all just sort of like... All the French lyrics I know are sort of a melange. I don't even know what that one means. I know what the other one, the, the Michel words mean. Because they interpret it right there in the song. These are words that go together well. But what there's wacky bitches are singing about I do recall though as a child being entertained by them on the Ed Sullivan show they just sat there they didn't even look like they were really having much fun they just sat there and very staidly and calmly sang this ridiculous song and then all of America went out the next day and bought the fucking record and it became like a top 10 hit And, you know, mu uh, uh, music labels all over the country were thinking, man, this is how it fucking works. These people will just buy any fucking crap, man. We just put it on TV. We get it on Sullivan and they just fucking buy it. It has nothing to do 
with quality. It has nothing to do with, um, you know, being unique or novel or different or interesting or beautiful or special. It's just pap for the masses, pablum. Nobody ever, um, you know, uh, lost money in overestimating, you know, uh, the, you know, apathy and stupidity of American, you know, masses. And, you know, it's about time we stop whining about that, about how everybody doesn't care, and just incorporate that into the way the system works. The truth is, most of us don't have time for government. Only just a very few of us, the elite, you know, intellectuals and thinkers and philosophies, people who have enough time in between, you know, going out and hunting beast to provide our family with, you know, with room and roof, uh, have the luxury of sitting around and and thinking about such fancy things as government and policy and the average American, the average human um, doesn't care. And even if they had the time, you know, there's a lot of people who are like on welfare and sitting on their asses and watching TV. um, They don't care. They sort of go with the flow. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Sure, I believe in the president's doing the right thing, you know. Uh, They don't get asked a lot of hard questions, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe we're just too fucking comfortable. There's nobody out there challenging anybody, you know, asking a lot of fucking tough-ass questions of people. We all sort of have this um, weird-ass, you know, thing called political correctness, you know, where it's rude to ask, you know... um, questions of somebody else's beliefs boy i wonder who who came up with that one oh let's just say you know when they start asking the tough questions let's just say how rude of you to uh to be so disrespectful this is my belief system how dare you you know we used to have this wonderful um listener ms american girl she was very sweet and she would send me like 40 emails a day and um and we just had this wonderful relationship. I think um, Drex, the pimp, um, went and visited her one time on his all-jester tour of the United States and Canada. I think she was one of his stops along the way. And um, and her boyfriend or her ex-husband or something, or she was involved with some other guy and before Drex and... Um, but And I think he was a listener too. But uh, one day I just said something about religion or Christianity, and she just fucking blew her noodle. She sent me like a 10-page, you know, how dare you question my beliefs. They're my beliefs. Their beliefs are sacred. I mean, it was the biggest crock of horse shit I ever heard in my life. I thought to myself, where does somebody get such a fucking argument? Who, who fuels thoughts like this? Like everybody's supposed to respect everybody else's beliefs? That's what, what kind of ridiculous thing is that? If you can, if you know the classic example we always hear is if you came in and said you know something that was just ridiculous like you know there was no uh, holocaust something for which there's more than ample p- proof uh then I don't have to respect that belief uh I can think you know it's permissible for me to think 
you're either an antagonist or just a retard for thinking that and dismissing everything else you say after that. But with religion, if people say, oh, sure, I believe there's a monster in the sky who created the universe and judges us after we die, they get a pass on that. Nobody can question uh, that. Nuclear weapons, no way. But there are plenty of items on Iran's shopping list, and the United States is more than happy to, su to supply them cigarettes, brassiers, bull semen, and that's just the B's and C's. <laughs> U.S. exports to Iran grew more than tenfold during President Bush's years in office, even as he accused of, uh, them of nuclear ambitions and sponsoring terrorists. America sent more cigarettes to Iran, at least $158 million worth, under Bush than any other product. So this is just some more of this administration's just utter hypocrisy. They just talk about, on the one hand, you know, about how the axis of evil and uh, how they're going to, you know, bring them to their, their bear and bring them to their knees and punish them and make sure the world's power uh, concentrates its efforts on diffusing, you know, their... The, their strength, and here we're fucking trading with them. Everything from cigarettes to bull semen. Other surprising shipments during the Bush administration, furs, sculptures, perfume, musical instruments, military apparel. Uh, top state shipping goods to Iran include California, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, North Carolina, Ohio, and Wisconsin. According to an analysis by the AP of seven years of U.S. government trade data, Despite increasingly tough rhetoric towards Iran, which Bush called his part of the axis of evil, U.S. trade in a range of goods survives on-again, off-again sanctions originally imposed nearly three decades ago. The rules allow sales of agricultural commodities, medicine, a few other categories of goods. The exemptions are designed to help Iranian families even as the United States pressures their leaders. So supposedly we've strategically designed this embargo where we fuck the government but help the people. I understand that these exports have increased. However, we believe that they're increasing to a segment of the population that we want to reach out to. We want to know and understand that the U.S. government, the U.S. people want to be friends with them, want to work with them to integrate them into the world economy and become partners in the future, said Gonzalo Galagas, the State Department spokesman today when asked by Jester Radio about uh, the AP findings. So this is actually a great answer, and we're very happy with that answer. We're going to keep our eye on these um, statistics, and, and we're going to read through this report. Um, but, of course, if that really is the intention, and that's why we're allowing certain things to trade, then I'm going to you know, give them the benefit of the doubt because I'm all for that. I'm all for reaching out to the people of Iran. I'm, 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 I'm almost always all, all for reaching out to people. Pressured by desperate parents, government researchers are pushing to test an unproven treatment on autistic children, a move some scientists see as an unethical experiment in voodoo medicine. We've been doing this a lot, you know. We sort of had this kind of um, error of enlightenment back in the 70s where everybody just kind of opened their eyes and their minds to everything, you know. Uh, everybody had a mantra, and everybody was doing transcendental meditation and primal scream, and, um, you know, uh, we were just trying shit, man. You know, psilocybin and um, uh, uh, Amanita muscaria and all these, you know, cool 
uh, things, and we were just trying shit. And over the years, we became, you know, more critically critical. We had, you know, honed the scientific method and learned how to form observ uh, uh, observations into hypotheses and hypotheses into theories and then to prove or disprove a theory. This is the scientific method. Starts with observation, something we actually see. So we dismiss out of hand things like astrology and numerology and biorhythms and things that really have no uh, credible evidence whatsoever. We don't even bother giving these things experiments because otherwise we'd have to do an experiment every time something pops into some moron's head. That's not the way science works. Uh, you know, creationism, there's not a single shred of evidence that creationism is um, true, that some single being created the entire universe in six days, whether they were 24-hour days or 24-million-year days or not, there's not a single shred of credible evidence that exists that would lend one to even form a hypothesis, the basis of a theory much less have a theory formed out of that from which they can then, you know, extrapolate experiments to prove or disprove the theory. A negative can never be disproven. So what we're sort of seeing this weird um, uh, misuse of scientific terminology by the religious wackos where they say, um, hey, you know, evolution is just a theory. Why can't we throw in our theory? Because evolution is not just a theory. It's a theory that's been has a huge pile, a mountain of credible evidence to support it. It started out as a theory, sure, and it will remain a theory, uh, but that's the way science works. Electricity is just a theory too, but we still have you know computers and boom boxes. We've been applying what we know about it. Nobody's actually seen electricity. You know that Stephen Wright routine where he goes, "How do I know I'm getting electricity?" They send the bill, I send it back. I haven't seen it all month. And yet, you know, these same guys, by the way, these same wackos use computers and boom boxes. <laughs> they don't bother to question the fact that these devices could never have been built with science like that. Like science, like any stupid thing that pops into my head, I'm going to spend a million dollars researching. So they, they sort of disguise um, religion in this sort of word speak of science by saying using fancy words like theory hey you got a theory i got a theory let's be fair and include a theory include our theory so they're doing this in other branches of science now the treatment removes get this uh there's a treatment out there that these wackos believe this little fringe group believes that if you remove heavy metals from your body that it'll cure you of autism. It's based on fringe theory that mercury in vaccines triggers autism, a theory never proved and rejected by mainstream science. Mer mercury hasn't uh, even been in childhood vaccines since 2001, except for in certain flu shots, which are completely voluntary. But many parents of autistic children are believers, and the head of the National Institute of Mental Health supports testing it on children, provided the tests are safe. So many moms have said it saved my kids. Institute director Dr. Thomas Insel said, by the way, the same thing my sister, who before she died from multiple sclerosis, had done everything, the bee sting, wacky therapy, the holistic medicine, um, having all the heavy metals in her body removed, having the 
the um, fucking fillings from her teeth all removed. All based on this mercury poisoning horse shit. Many parents of autistic children are believers, so many moms have said it saved my kids. For now, the proposed study, not widely known outside the community of autism research and advocacy groups, has been put on hold because of safety concerns. Incel told Jester Radio, the process called chelation is used to treat lead poisoning. Studies of adults have shown it to be ineffective unless there are very high levels of metal in the blood. Any study in children would have to exclude those with high levels of lead or mercury, which would require treatment and preclude using a placebo. One of the drugs used for chelation is called DMSA. It can cause side effects, including rashes, low white blood cell count, and there is evidence chelation may redistribute metals around the body, perhaps even into the central nervous system. I don't really know why we have to do this to helpless children, said Ellen Siebergeld of Johns Hopkins University Bloomberg Science and Public Health, who was invited to comment on the study uh, to a review board of the National Institute. Despite lawsuits and at least one child's death, several thousand autistic children already believed to be using chelation, their parents not content to wait for the study. Among those parents are Christina Blakey of suburban Chicago, who uses chelation and a variety of other alternative therapies, including sessions in a hyperbaric chamber on her eight-year-old son, Charlie. Before he started uh, chelation at age five, Charlie suffered tantrums. When she took him to school, she had to peel him off her body and walk away. But three weeks after he began chelation, his behavior changed, she said. So, I mean, not, you know, I, I don't really want to be, um, you know, some kind of Scrooge or dick about this. But this is not scientific evidence to say, you know, I had to peel my kid off of me when I first took her to preschool, too. And then after three weeks, you know, after three weeks in a five-year-old's life is like a fucking generation later. So while I am very, very sympathetic and I'm very hypersensitive and aware what these parents are going through and um, concerned about what appears to be um, a, a, either a rise in the occurrence of autism or certainly a rise in its diagnosis, whichever one is happening, it's alarming and it concerns me. But, I mean, you know, it's always different if it's you, and we have to sort of get away from that kind of thing. You know, we have to sort of um, take a little bit more of a adult, mature perspective of the world, even though it is affecting your ch your children, your life, your parents, your brothers and sisters. It's really the same as it would be if it isn't. I I always say this, but you know, it, it just seems like it's permissible in this society to react differently if it concerns somebody you care about. Uh, and then this leads to that old trick of the raping of the mother trick, as I like to refer to it. Do you believe in the death penalty? Absolutely not. Well, what if they raped your mother? They're raping her now. They're raping her and killing her. Your mother, goddammit, your mother. You know, and then try to like sort of a, persuade you by getting your like emotions into a frenzy. But if, you know, ethics are such that the word by definition means that I have the same whether I'm emotionally invested or not, whether it's my mother or not. So uh, while I'm very sympathetic about these people, I don't really think we need to change the process of science 
um, in order to accommodate, you know, their, you know, just because they believe. And by the way, if they want to go out and do this study, you know, I think the whole FDA system is fucking whacked anyway. Everything should be done with private dollars. Let them fucking put the money together and do the research. None of this money should ever be coming from the fucking government anyway. It's not the government's business to be in the inventing and curing business. Oil tumbled more than $5 a barrel today in its second big drop this week, hurling crude back to levels not seen before June 26. Remember, way back to June 26. Boy, I tell you, I remember those good old days. As traders wary about the health of the global economy cashed in gains from the oil's recent rally, light sweet crude for August delivery fell to 533 to settle at 136.04 after earlier slumping as low as 135.14. The decline followed a $3.92 slide on Monday, bringing oil's two-day drop to more than 9 bucks. Woo-hoo! The market's uh, bearish turn this week erases, at least for the time being, the effect of a rally that pushed prices past 145 in a string of record-setting sessions before the 4th of July. Analysts attribute much of the recent sell-off to profit-taking, saying traders were cashing in on the previous week's gains. A stronger dollar also helped keep Prices lower by discouraging investors from pumping more money into commodities. <laughs> hey, you listening to the ravings of a clown on Jester Radio? This that was my that was my pork belly imitation. It's tu- it's Tuesday, uh, July the some. What's today's date, Bob? It's July the eighth, and those schoolgirl days of telling tales and biting nails are gone. And I'll tell you, I remember my schoolgirl days. Lulu on JR, leave it where it is.
darling Surprise to hear from me Bet you're sitting drinking coffee Yawning sleepily Just to let you know I'm gonna be home soon I'm kinda awkward and afraid Time has changed Your point of view How you gonna see me now Please don't see me ugly, babe Cause I know I let you down In all so many ways How you gonna see me now Since we've been on our own Are you gonna love the man When the man gets home Listen darling Now I'm heading for the west Straightened out my head But my old heart is still a mess Yes I'm worried honey Yes that's natural though Like I'm waiting for a welcome sign Like a hobo In the snow How you gonna see me now? Please don't see me ugly, babe Cause I know I let you down You know so many ways How you gonna see me now? Since we've been on our own God, we're not worthy of the uh, incredible Alice Cooper on Jest Radio, writing a letter home from the Ha Ha Hotel and wondering and worrying what his uh, lady is going to, how she's going to be looking at him. It's creepy. Ooh, it's kind of freaky. And you can imagine, please don't see me ugly, babe. <laughs> <laughs> 
because I know I let you down so many ways. And that's a horrible feeling, man, when you know that uh, you're disappointing the shit out of somebody. Even if it's not your fault. Uh, Alice Cooper, before that we heard from uh, Lulu to Sir With Love from the movie of the same name starring Michael DeBears. <laughs> Who was the uh, front man for uh, Detective. And um, that they were the um, like the first um, you know non Led Zepp uh, band on the Swan Song label, and they sounded exactly like Led Zeppelin. And the guy from the group, Michael DeBears, was um, has now become like he wrote uh, um, all these TV like MacGyver theme songs and shit. And that's what he's doing now. And he's actually um, acted over the years, too. Back, more like back in the 80s. He did like a bunch of like Roseanne's and, and St. Elsewhere's and stuff like that. So the movie wasn't really starring him, but uh, he, was, he was in it for about uh, three or four seconds. And, of course, Lulu herself, who was introduced in that movie, went on to be a big, uh, famous, huge star in England for many, many years. Unbelievably. <laughs> hey, you're listening to the Rovings of Acclaim this uh, Tuesday, July the 8th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Lady V, S. Poe Lulu, hanging in the Jester Radio chat room. Why not stop by and say hi to one or all of them? Uh, 646-502-8600. Give us a call. 646-502-8600. You wouldn't necessarily know it. From last week, but Nielsen Media Research says TV viewership is on the rise. The company said, and for there ever to be a single week where TV viewership goes up in this day and age of the internet, where there's endless abundance of information out there, uh, then you know that we have to be making these choices to stay willfully uh, ignorant. Because anybody that's watching TV more than they used to be. Uh, when there is so much good shit out there to be seen and watched and heard and talked about, um, it just, it's got to mean that there's a choice. It's got to mean that the average person really doesn't have the time to spend, um, you know, worrying about shit. Uh, the typical person spent 26 and a half hours using the internet in May, up from 24 hours, 16 minutes the year before. So how come TV ratings for individual networks and shows keep going down? That's because of all the choices. Nearly two-thirds of American homes now have digital or cable uh, or satellite with an average of 160 channels to choose from. Can you imagine? And still there's nothing on. From the broadcast networks, Nielsen's report was a welcome diversion. The week of the 4th of July is traditionally the lightest week of the year for TV watching, with barbecues and fireworks taking precedence over the repeats and the reality TV shows last week was no different. Even though CBS averaged more viewers than any other network, it still had a record low rating in the youthful demographic of 18 to 49-year-olds. The start of another Big Brother edition is likely to bring more young viewers back. NBC's America's Got Talent was once again the nation's most popular show, the only one to log more than 10 million viewers. And how disturbing is it that the name of the show is like this like blatant grammatical error. America's Got Talent. 
Asked by a voter about accusations of flip-flopping, Democratic Barack Obama dismissed the notion today that he shifted stances on Iraq guns and the death penalty to break with his party's liberal wing and court, and court a wider swath, a swath of voters. This is another trick that both sides use, is they're constantly barraging the other one with saying, oh, you're saying this now? You said this other thing yesterday. You know, let, let us do that. Let the press do that. Because when you do it to each other, it just looks really fucking ugly. Because it just looks like you're purposely trying to uh, obfuscate the, you know, situation. People who say this haven't apparently been listening to me, the likely Democratic presidential nominee said, in response to a question at a town hall-style event. And these people feel that they have to respond. He's got to come back and say something, because if he doesn't say something... He feels like it's an admission. That's another thing that all this back and forth accusing does. It keeps them both busy just responding to their stupid accusations because if you don't respond, it's interpreted as being true. Obama blamed criticism from, quote, my friends on the left and some of the media on part of cynicism that ascribes political motives for every move candidates make. You're not going to agree with me on 100% of what I think. But don't assume that if I don't agree with you on something, that it must be because I've done that politically, he said. I may just disagree with you. The Illinois senator was responding to a question from a self-described reformed Republican who said that he worked for Democratic Bobby Kennedy four decades ago and thanked Obama for restoring that faith. You had an interesting week of being accused of flip-flopping, which is mostly nonsense, the man said. He then asked Obama to restate his Iraq position, and Obama used the opportunity to dispel the idea that he had generally changed his stances. Since wrapping up the Democratic nomination last month, Obama has voiced positions that break with the Democratic Party's left and seem to shade his own past positions uh, on a range of subjects. He's drawn criticism from some liberal Democrats who question his loyalty and from some Republicans who accuse him of flip-flopping. And that's another problem with this fucking party system. Now it's just all about sticking to the party. I don't give a fuck about the party. I'm not voting for the party. I'm voting for the man. Nobody uh, adheres 100% to whatever the you know party charter is. And I don't give a fuck about the party. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. You know, like Jackson Brown said, I, and I ain't no congressman, and I ain't no Democrat, and I sure ain't no Republican. I only have one party. And... Um, and I think it's just a terrible waste of time. And plus, we're getting close to the, you know, the, the elections is just, you know, three and a half years away. Imprisoned quarterback Michael Vick filed for bankruptcy protection while serving time for federal dogfighting charges, saying he owes between 10 and $50 million to creditors. Vick filed Chapter 11 papers in U.S. Bankruptcy Court in Newport News, Yesterday, the seven largest creditors listed in the court papers are owed a total of about $12.8 million. Can you imagine owing $13 million to people? That's fucking... I mean, why are people giving you that much credit? Was this guy making that kind of money? The suspended Atlanta Falcons quarterback hopes he can, after the conclusion of his bankruptcy case, rebuild his life on a personal and spiritual level. <laughs> They always go right for God, you know? Resurrect his image as a public figure and resolve matters with the NFL such 
that he can resume his career, according to the uh, filings. Vic is serving a 23-month prison sentence at the U.S. Penitentiary in Leavenworth, Kansas, after pleading guilty last year to bankrolling dogfighting ring. He was subsequently suspended indefinitely without pay, lost all his major sponsors, including Nike. He also faces state charges related to dogfighting. The debt includes part of a signing bonus that the Falcons are seeking to get back. After the plea on dogfighting charges, the Falcons tried to recover about $20 million in bonuses Vic earned from 2004 to 07. But a federal judge held that Vic is entitled to keep all but $3.72 million of the money paid to him for playing football through the 2014 season. According to the filings, Vic's other debts, including $4.5 million owed to Richmond-based Joel Enterprises, $550,000 owed to Radke Sports for breach of contract, in May, a federal judge ordered Vic to repay about $2.5 million to a Canadian bank for defaulting on a loan. The Royal Bank of Canada had sued Vic in September, arguing his guilty plea to a federal dogfighting charge and the resulting impact on his career prevented him from repaying the loan. Default judgment for $1.08 million was also entered in January against Vic and one of his business partners in a lawsuit brought by Wachovia Bank over a loan for an Atlanta-area wine shop and restaurant. <laughs> so this, this guy was up to his puppet with this crap. Uh, meanwhile, Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad said today that he sees no possibility of a war between his country and the United States uh, or Israel. You know, they just go back and forth. There's, there's something really wacky going on with this country. He also predicted Israel would collapse without Iranian action. I assure you there won't be any war in the future, Ahmadinejad told a news conference during a visit to Malaysia for a summit of developing Muslim nations. The Israelis are a complex political group, but you should know this regime will be eventually destroyed, and there's no need of any measure by Iranian people, he said, when asked to comment on whether he called for the destruction of Israel. Ahmadinejad's comments came a day after Iran's Revolutionary Guard said in a statement that the country was holding a military drill involving missile squads and warned that the country would retaliate against any military strike by targeting Tel Aviv and U.S. warships in the Gulf. Iranian officials have been issuing a mix of conciliatory and bellicose statements in recent weeks about the possibility of a clash with the U.S. and Israel. Ahmadinejad has in the past called for Israel's elimination. But get this, now his exact remarks have been disputed. These apologists have come along and said that um, when he called for Israel to be wiped off the map, the better interpretation would be to vanish from the pages of time, implying Israel would disappear on its own rather than be destroyed. So apparently uh, wiped off the map uh, has some kind of colloquial meaning in Farsi, which translates better to vanish from the pages of time. Hmm. Well, there you go. Don't, don't know if that's true or not. Today, the government of the United States is on the threshold of bankruptcy from political to economic. He said the greatest threat to the Middle East and the whole world is the United States' intervention in other countries, he said. He urged Washington to heal its image by relying on the basis of justice, humanitarian acts, and respect for human beings. <laughs> this always cracks me up with, like, vicious, bloodthirsty dictators, you know, talk like they're normal human beings. I remember when... Um, what was that loony bird from Lebanon was doing at Gaddafi? And Castro used to always come off like he was your uncle. 
but uh, they're ruthless monsters, these people. Um, hey, you're listening to the Ravings of a Clown on Just Radio this Tuesday, July the 8th, the year of our Lord, 2008. Bob, the engineers asked me to remind you that if you've missed any portions of this evening's show, it will be recast at 2 a.m. and then 2 p.m. following all times Eastern. So make adjustments for wherever you're at. Extra special thanks go out to all those who spent a little of their uh, time with us this evening. Can't tell you how much it means to me. It is my best two hours of the day, and I hope um, it uh, does something good for you. Just got another couple of minutes for uh, any last-minute requests. Get them into jesterradio.com. This one goes out to uh, Andy in Kansas City. Oh, why you look so sad The tears are in your eyes Come on and come to me now but Don't be ashamed to cry Let me see you through Cause I've seen the dark side too When the night falls on you You don't know what to do Nothing you confess Could make me love you less I'll stand by you I'll stand by you
Melvin and the Blue Notes on Jester Radio. Wake up all the teachers. Time to teach a new way. Maybe then they'll listen to what you have to say. They're the ones who's coming up. The world is in their hands. When you teach the children, teach them the very best you can. Don't teach them intelligent design or any wacky, superstitious horseshit. Teach them the fucking good science that we have, the real amazing, fascinating shit that we do have. If they want to go home and their parents want to tell them about the mythology of Jesus, great. All power to them. But let's not in any way mistake that for knowledge or education. Hey, you're tuned into the Ravings of a Clown this Tuesday, July the 8th, the year of our Lord, 2008. The Pretender started that set. I'll stand by you, and that's, in fact, what I will do for two hours each and every day. From 10 to midnight Eastern, we get together and do this thing. That is, talk about life, the Internet, and everything. And I'm so very proud and humbled that you can join us this evening. And extra special thanks to those who stopped by the Jester Radio chat room including Lady V, S. Poe, and Lulu. And by the way, that uh, Lulu goes out to Lulu. The running of the Bulls through Pampelona today left one man gored and four slightly injured during the annual San Fermin Festival. According to the Spanish Red Cross, hundreds of people, six fighting bulls accompanied by steer, Sprinted the half-mile route through the cobblestone streets in just over two minutes, a relatively clean and fast run by uh, San Fermin standards. One Spanish guy was gored in the thigh, treated at a city hospital, uh, but was not in serious condition. Four other guys, uh, also from Spain, were treated for bruises. Uh, the first run on Monday, what, 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 what's the treatment for bruises? I didn't even know you had to be treated for bruises. The first uh, run yesterday took over four minutes and injured 13 people. None of them were gored. The runs to the city bullring take place at 8 a.m. daily and the highlight of a centuries-old festival that became world-famous with uh, Ernest Hemingway's 1926 novel, The Sun Also Rises. Professional matadors fight and invariably kill uh, the bulls each afternoon at the festival. The fiesta, which ends on July 14th, is also known for its all-night street parties. Woo-hoagie! Put me down for that. I've never done to the the Pampelona thing. Um, I was never sort of attracted by the idea of out running beef. Um, however, the 
after party sounds uh, interesting. Tuesday's uh, run used bulls from the southern Chibata Gago Ranch, considered among the most dangerous in San Fermin. In 27 years, they breed them to be mean, apparently, at this particular ranch. In 27 years, they have gored more than 35 people. The festival attracts tens of thousands of foreigners. Uh, one runner from Japan, Shinichi Hitano, 30, stumbled and fell during the run on Tuesday, but was uninjured. I suddenly found myself on the ground with everyone trying to jump over me, he told Just Radio. I knew the bulls were coming, so I covered my head. <laughs> And everybody knows the supernatural strength that a person has in their hands to protect their heads from stomping 2,000 pounds of run-amuck beef. It was the first time for Greg Flores, 40, from Florida. It was an exhilarating flash, he said. They uh, just zipped past us at such speed. Fourteen runners have died in the running of the bulls since record-keeping began back in 1924. The last fatality from a goring was a 22-year-old American, Matthew Tassio, back in 1995. In 2003, a 63-year-old Pamplona native, Furman X. DeBerry, was trampled in the head by a bull and died after spending several months in a coma. On Sunday, a 23-year-old Irishman died after falling from an ancient wall that encircles the old quarter of Pamplona. And this morning, uh, somebody uh, died uh, drinking coffee. It's a dangerous-ass world. An embarrassed museum official says a two-week nose job should reverse the damage a Concorde supersonic jet suffered when a truck rammed into it. The retired Concorde is normally on display in the Intrepid Sea Air and Space Museum. It's been in a recreational facility in Brooklyn. While the USS Intrepid and its home pier in Manhattan are repaired and renovated, early July 1st, a truck hauling equipment away from a Jamaican soccer and cricket festival... You heard me. Bumped into the Concorde's distinctive nose and knocked it off. Museum President Bill White says the cone is salvageable and will be reattached and repaired to original standards. White is apologizing to British Airways, who owns the jet. He says the recreational facility should have provided better security for the plane. This is my favorite story of the night. A 60-pound tortoise that escaped from a family's garage last month is back home after a two-and-a-half-week adventure that took him through northwestern Indiana town's tank. An eight-year-old African spur thigh tortoise was returned uh, today to owners Mark and Kim Herchak after they called Munster Police uh, to report him missing. The couple had earlier called Highland and Hamill Police, but Munster officers knew all about the missing reptile which turned up at a gas station not long after his escape. Uh, during his absence, Tank will shuttle between various homeowners, including a couple whose backyard strawberry patch and flowers became his dinner. 14-year-old Kylie Herchak said Tank, who escaped when someone left open the garage door, is like a member of the family. He's one of two tortoises that the family owns. So, uh, 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 Although when I first read the story after that a tortoise was missing for two and a half weeks, I was like, where did they find him at the end of the driveway? <laughs> Because tortoises, they're extremely slow. You understand what I'm saying? Oogie. Hey, thanks so very much for stopping by. I can see by the old clock on the wall it's time to say goodnight. But before we do, I want to say this to you. Keep a fire burning in your eye. Pay attention to the open sky. You never know 
what will be coming down. I don't remember losing track of you. You were always dancing in and out of view. I must have thought you'd always be around. Always keeping things real by playing the clown. Now, you're nowhere to be found. I don't know what happens when people die. Can't seem to grasp it as hard as I try. It's like a song I can hear playing right in my ear that I can't sing and I can't help listening and I can't help feeling stupid standing around crying as they ease you down because I know you'd rather we were dancing. Dancing our sorrow away no matter what fate chooses to play. We will meet in that place where darkness never comes. That's the, my solemn oath to you. Until that time, Eustace, good night. See you tomorrow. Keep a fire burning in your eye And pay attention to the open sky You never know what will be coming down I don't remember losing track of you You were always dancing in and out of you I must have thought you'd always be around Always keeping things real by playing the clown Now you're nowhere to be found
Sing. 